Reteaching the Game is back, and I hope all y'all miss me half as much as I missed you. I appreciate you sticking with me, your patience, your dedication, your willingness to listen to what I have to say. I couldn't be happier to share my time with all of you. Episode number 12, we're here to, to discuss a very important topic. Who is running the Lakers? You heard me right, because we don't know the answer to that question. It remains a mystery on a day-to-day basis. We're going to get into some broader topics like where is Jeannie Buss? Hello? The person who is supposed to be the most visible for this team right now, whose name is not LeBron James, where are you? We're going to talk about Kurt Rambis' involvement. Yes, if that name sounds familiar and maybe you feel a certain type of way about it. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into Rob Palenka's role, what it's going to be, what it is, what it could be moving forward. And we're definitely here to discuss losing out on Monty Williams as the next head coach. We are here to talk about Ty Lue not becoming the next Lakers head coach. There's been a lot of drama in Lakerland. There's been no shortage of Hollywood and there's plenty of stuff to discuss. Of course, we're going to weave those life lessons in because that's what we do on this show. But along the way, it's going to be a lot of Lakers. So sit back and relax. I've got input from Celtics fans. I've got input from Lakers fans. Heck, I've even got input from Bucks fans. So we're going to get a little bit of everything on this episode. Let's jump right in. The Lakers head coaching search, we've been here since mid to late April. It's been more or less the status quo with the exception of the most recent developments. We've heard Teron Liu's name as prominently mentioned. We've heard Monty Williams' name as, as that was prominently mentioned. Of course, Monty Williams is now the head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Ty Lu is not going to be the next head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, it would appear. And so the Lakers are back to, I don't know if we're going to call it square one, but they're definitely set back in their process. And how did we get here? How did the Lakers get here? Aren't the Lakers supposed to be this team that everybody wants to be a part of? Aren't they supposed to be this brand that people are just dying to wear the purple and gold? Isn't there supposed to be something inviting about this team that welcomes people in instead of scares them away? This perception of the Lakers, it's, it's not reality anymore. I mean, it's about more than getting spurned by free agents in the past. And it's about far more than having to settle for second options. At this point, the Lakers are going to be at best on their third choice for head coach. And maybe even worse than that, because maybe Luke Walton was in one of those top three spots, right? Ty Lue, Monty Williams, Luke Walton. Maybe that was the order. And so the Lakers could very well be moving on from even the top three. But how did we get here? If we go back to how it all started... On April 23rd, okay, this date is significant. Going back a couple of weeks, on April 23rd, we hear about Jason Kidd interviewing with Rob Palenka and Kurt Rambis for the Lakers head coaching gig. Now, Kidd's name had sort of been kicked about prior and everyone kind of brushed it off. But all of a sudden, here he is interviewing with the team. And this is significant, both in terms of Rambis and Kidd. So stick with me. In this story. Okay. So Jason Kidd goes in, he goes in and interviews. And Kidd's interview, according to Dave McMenamin of ESPN, Kidd's interview was with general manager Rob Palinka and team executive Kurt Rambis. And it lasted for several hours. Okay, we didn't get much detail beyond that, but clearly this is the guy they were interested in having in the building for whatever reason. Now at this point, you may be wondering, whoa, Kurt Rambis. When did he become a Lakers executive? 
Well, this is important to understand the Lakers family dynamics. It's almost like a soap opera. So if you don't follow the team on a day-to-day basis, on a year-over-year basis, you may not be aware that Kurt Rambis' wife, she is a significant, significant character in this. Okay? Linda Rambis, she and Jeannie Buss are tight. Okay? And this is very important. We'll get into that a little bit later. So Kurt Rambis' name emerges on April 23rd. Then... On April 26, three days later, we hear that Kirk, Kurt Rambis is taking on a more active role within the Lakers. Oh, gee, what a shock. Right? Linda Rambis, I mean, she works for the Lakers. She works for Jeannie. She's one of her quote-unquote closest advisors, a.k.a. best friends. And we get this report that Rambis could end up on the Lakers bench as an associate head coach or even become assistant general manager. Now, how any team, how any organization could be thinking about hiring somebody as an associate head coach to work under a head coach who is not even hired yet makes absolutely no sense. That is like hiring, if I were making an analogy into the education field, which I am proud to be in, that is like coming in and saying, you know what, we're gonna hire a new principal, but before we do that, I think we should hire a new vice principal and then go out and hire the principal. What an awkward working dynamic that would be. Now, the assistant GM at least is a little bit more palatable in the sense that he'd be working underneath Rob Palenka, right? At least Rob Palenka, there would be a power structure that would make some semblance of order there. We could sit here and debate the the credentials or the merits of Rambus for that job, and I would not be happy if he were to assume that role. But it sounds like at this point, and we're going to get there, it sounds like he's even become perhaps even more than that, right? So this this is a, for me, a negative development at this point. Because what is happening is Jeannie Buss, at this point, is defaulting to what's familiar. In Jeannie Buss's world, everything around her since her father's passing has been in chaos. Whether that is her perception or the actual reality or a combination of both, that's her perception. She's entitled to that. And when you go through a grieving process, it's incredibly difficult and everybody mourns differently and for a different periods of time. And sometimes that's stagnated and interrupted and sometimes it just flows. It depends on the person. But sometimes when we experience uncertainty or chaotic circumstance, we default to what's familiar and that can become a dangerous process. It can actually prevent growth. Hey, going to the gym and exercising is hard because it's something that I've never done. So I'm going to default to what's familiar, even though what's familiar is currently making me sad, right? That's the same line of logic to sort of draw it out for you. And so we want to avoid that as people because that puts us in a place where we don't want to be. But this is what Jeannie Buss is doing. And I can definitely understand the logic in air quotes behind it. Because at this point, she, she's not sure who to trust. And so at least she feels like she can trust her inner circle or what has been <clears throat> her inner circle. But it's hard when that inner circle hasn't expanded and it may not be diversified at this point because you're worried about becoming vulnerable or being vulnerable. So this is an important point to consider and some important context to take in. So Kurt Rambis is again a prominent name. And on the same day, on April 26th, 
We know that Teron Liu and Monty Williams both left a positive impression on the Lakers organization. Okay, that's the update we got. Let's fast forward a bit. Mark Stein, who since his move to the New York Times has not gotten nearly enough publicity for the work that he does. Right, his newsletter is a nice read and that's all fine and good, but he is still definitely a, a news breaker. Okay, nobody's going to be Adrian Wojnarowski, of course. He's cornered that market. That's why ESPN has hired him. That's why they have him. That's why they have Adam Schefter. That's why they just hired Jeff, Jeff Passan from Yahoo. Okay, that, that's what they go for. And I get that. You want the one heavy hitter and you let go of some of the quote unquote smaller guys. That's all fine and good. But Mark Stein is doing quality work. Anyway, on May 1st, Mark Stein tells us that there are strong rumblings that Monty Williams landing in Phoenix as the Suns' next head coach is gaining real momentum. And of course, as we know, the Phoenix Suns wound up hiring Monty Williams two days later. Okay, so Stein reported at the time it was his job, Monty's, if he wanted to take it. But the most significant part of this timeline, because between that report on Monday evening and granted, it was late if you're talking about East Coast, but the Suns and Lakers are both West Coast teams. So that report was at 8.48 on May 1st. He was officially hired on May 3rd. That's when they announced his hiring, if I have that correct. I'll double check that. And at this point, you're wondering why the Lakers didn't make their bid more known. If Monty Williams was going to be their guy, they had time to counter. Right? They, they, they had time to counter this deal. And that's the most frustrating part. The Lakers have been unable to commit to a direction. Right? And, the, and, and Monty, by the way, he was actually officially announced May 6th. May 6th. That gave the Lakers plenty of time to counter. Plenty. Plenty. And they failed to do that because they were still in between. Which brings us back to the bigger question of who is running the Lakers. Who is running the Lakers? Because if Monty Williams was their guy, they had time to counter, they had time to make a deal. And they didn't. So I ask you, who is running the Lakers? In a text with a Celtics fan today, one of my best friends, I asked him, I said, what is your biggest question of the Lakers? As somebody who's not a Lakers fan, what is your biggest question of the Lakers right now? And you know what he said? I thought it was fascinating. He said, how does this, how does this information keep coming out? Who's the leak in this? And again, just to correct myself, the date was correct the first time, May 3rd. Sometimes the Twitter machine ain't exactly the most reliable thing. I should have had the press conference ready to go. That's my bad. Okay, I can cop to that. But regardless, the Lakers had time to counter. Okay, they had a full day. And maybe Monty was in negotiations and maybe those negotiations were too deep. But if you really want a person, there's time to be convinced. If you believe that's the right candidate for the role. So on May 3rd, the same day that Monty Williams is officially announced as the Phoenix Suns' next head coach, we get this report from Woj that the expectation is that the Lakers will move toward Ty Lue. 
right? No offer was made, but the expectation was that he was going to become the team's next coach. And the biggest question I had at the time, <clears throat> at this point, the Lakers aren't going, it doesn't look like the Lakers are going to have to answer this one. But my biggest question at that time was very simple. How do you reverse the perception that LeBron is running the show? Because even if Ty Lue is the most decorated coach or available candidate, or you truly feel he's the right man for the job, or he gets endorsements up and down, which he did get, including one from Phil Jackson, how do you sell to the public that, that, that LeBron is not running the show and he's not just getting his guy? It's a hard sell. That was going to be a real challenge. Right, But Frank Isola made a good point. Ty Lue checks all the boxes. He played for Phil Jackson. He was a teammate of Kobe's. He coached LeBron. And Isola even addressed this point. And this is after my original, my, my thought about how you reverse the perception. Right In parentheses of this tweet from Isola, he says, this way Lakers management can make it seem like LeBron wasn't calling the shots. And he's right. right? That, was, that would have been the logic that you could use. That makes sense in the context of that argument. On May 6th, so two days ago, and three days after Monty Williams goes to the desert, we get this report from Chris Haynes. And the reason this is significant is because Chris Haynes, who's leading the charge over at Yahoo now, and he does great work, he is tight with that clutch inner circle. He is tight with LeBron's camp, and that's been a solid pipeline of information. So on May 6th, we get this update that the Lakers and Lou are working toward a contract agreement and Frank Vogel's going to come on the staff and it looks like it's just a matter of time at this point. It looks like it's just a matter of dotting the I's, crossing the T's, making sure everything looks good, yada, yada, yada. Right? This is why it's significant. It's starting to feel real. It's starting to feel real. And then, after Monty is hired by the Suns, the Lakers are getting closer to hiring Teron Liu. Of course, we know it's not going to happen now. We get this report from Woj, just casually. Kind of just dropped it into his podcast. And he said, LeBron didn't tell the Lakers you have to do it, talking about Teron Liu. And Woj said, because the Lakers were ready to move toward Monty Williams. I think the Lakers never really took seriously the possibility that Williams was going to take that son's job, and he did. I know it surprised them. I think it surprised a lot of people, okay? But what does it say about the Lakers? What does it say about their brand, their mystique, whatever it is they were trying to sell us? That Monty Williams picked Robert Sarver's sons who are in a perpetual rebuild, over the Lakers with LeBron James. What does it say about the current power structure? What does it say about Jeannie Buss? What does it say about Rob Palenka? That is a powerful thought. That is a powerful statement. Okay, the Lakers are losing out on candidates to the Suns. There was a time where the Lakers, if you thought you might have had a chance to work for the Lakers, you waited on other opportunities. Now, the Lakers are a, not a priority. They're almost like a fallback option. That's no wonder why people aren't excited about the Lakers. No wonder why people have checked out on this team. The most exciting thing this Lakers team has done since Kobe retired was signing LeBron James. It hasn't been anything on the basketball court. That's for sure. 
And so the Lakers have a real optics problem. They may think their brand is worth something that it is not. Not in, not in the NBA circles anyway. Not when it comes to hiring their next coach, signing their next player, or whatever the move might be. Oh, and by the way, the Lakers are going into the summer with an enormous amount of pressure to pair LeBron with at least one other star in an effort to maximize the window while he's here and put something forward that hasn't been constructed since probably 2010 or 2011 now. Good luck, because that's such an easy task. And so now, today, okay, we, we, we got this information just before today. The Lakers were telling people they wouldn't hire anyone above Rob Palenka. Well, why would they? Because Kurt Rambis is in the building, right? Don't forget about that. This is important coming up here. Kurt Rambis is in the building. And on top of that, why would you just want to create more talking heads at the table when the power structure isn't clear, right? What's the logic in that? Whose job is it anyway? And what is their job? What is their role? What are their responsibilities? Oh, by the way, I forgot to add this one in there. Remember that as Teron Liu is supposedly working his way toward the Lakers, right? Tom Thibodeau gets, uh, we get wind that uh, LeBron might be interested in Tom Thibodeau as an assistant. And Tom Thibodeau says, no, I'm good. Thank you, though. Still getting paid by the Timberwolves can wait out his next head coaching gig. It doesn't sound like Lakers have any interest in Tom Thibodeau as their next head coach, but certainly some uh, some other veterans, Mike Woodson, I Frank Vogel, Lionel Hollins. Whew, some real interesting names are starting to emerge. Now, there's still some hope out there with guys like Juwan Howard floating around. Jason Kidd has again been mentioned as a name, and let's just get there right now. So today we get this report that the Lakers and Teron Lue have reached an impasse they're currently tabling negotiations. Oh, okay. That sounds good. That sounds really promising. 20 minutes later. Oh, the Lakers and Teron Lue, the negotiations are over. He won't be the next head coach. Come to find out that basically we reach an impasse over years and money, right? The Lakers wanted to offer a three-year deal worth around $18 million to coincide with the length of LeBron's contract, which from a logic standpoint makes sense. But Lou wanted a five-year deal because he is a championship caliber coach, one with LeBron, and, you know, he wants something guaranteed in case he gets canned. So I get where both sides are coming from. Apparently, they couldn't find middle ground, despite this being the most qualified candidate and them being ready to move forward not even a week ago, right? Very weird. Something is missing. And let me tell you what the missing piece is. It's Kurt Rambis. Okay? It's Kurt Rambis. So we learn via Woj that Lakers advisor, he's an advisor now, not an executive, but an advisor, an advisor to whom and an advisor of what is still in question, is playing a major role in the franchise's coaching search. He's emerging as a powerful voice in basketball operations. So it sounds like Kurt Rambis isn't going to be associate head coach. He's not going to be assistant GM. He might be president of basketball operations. I would not be surprised if that is where this goes. What are the Lakers doing? Throughout this process, as Ty Lue and the Lakers reached an impasse, we heard about Jason Kidd. This is why this name is important. This is why it comes up again. At first, when Woj reported that the Lakers and Lou had reached the impasse, one of his clarifications 
and I'll read it verbatim off of his Twitter feed, which, which must be, I mean, let's, let's be honest, that's got to be one of the most frequented Twitter pages on the web or on the mobile app, right? I mean, come on. Per Woj, discussions have included talks on a contract on contract and assistant coaching staff, sources said. Among Lakers hopes on a loose staff, Jason Kidd. He made a strong impression with management in his head coaching interview and had a productive history with Bucks developing young talent. It is very, very clear to me that the voice inside of that room that is advocating for Jason Kidd is Kurt Rambis. I don't know how anyone can't see that. Okay, it's, it's, it's beyond obvious. And if, and if Kidd made such an impression at his head coaching interview, then why is he not being offered the head coaching job? I'm not suggesting that. But to sit here and say, wow, this guy wowed us so much at his head coaching interview that we really want him to be an assistant on someone else's staff. Hello? That is a statement. There is so much confusion with this Lakers team right now. LeBron might just be sitting there on some days asking himself, well, I what did I sign up for? And saying, at least I have my Hollywood off the court career right now. The Lakers have time to change all of this. But if the last five years at least, at least, and really longer, have shown us anything, it's that time isn't changing much. And when change doesn't happen over time, that's called stagnating. That's a bad place to be. So now that Rambus is not going to be an associate head coach nor an assistant GM and is probably looking at vice president or president of basketball operations, remember, this is my motivation to all of you. This is my very short TED talk to all of you. Be able to articulate your why and be able to defend your work. Be able to sit at a table and say, no, this will not work because of this. Have your voice heard. Because if you don't develop that voice and you rely on others to speak for you, you wind up becoming muted a lot of the time. So make sure that you develop that voice. It is essential to growth and it is essential to self-advocacy. The number one skill that you need as an adult. Self-advocacy. It is a priority in mental health, it is a priority in physical health, and it is a priority in all relationships. The Lakers are swimming in a pool of unfamiliar water, and I am stoked that we are in the middle of a playoff race on top of it. It is a great time to be a basketball fan. It is a wonderful time to be a teacher. Summer is on the horizon. I will be here with you guys on a much more frequent basis. Please stick with me. I love having you here. As a reminder, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can rate that with a five-star review. Leave a comment. I would love it. I would appreciate it. And I look forward to the next episode with everyone. We out.